This is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. It is uh, LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox with you here on FSR. We will take you all the way up until 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Pacific here on Fox Sports Radio. And uh, look, it's the uh, a couple of years ago, it was the Dak Prescott contract extension that carried us over through a pandemic that got us through a lot of things and a lot of slow times. And we didn't want to talk about NBA or a potential strike in baseball or something like that that was popping up on the sports calendar and, and in the headlines. And, and so we've got our new Dak Prescott ish contract extension conversation and that's the future of Aaron Rodgers and how this whole thing is going to play out. Green Bay is the number one seed in the NFC. A lot of people feel the best team in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers' future is still up in the air, but he did discuss his plan and how quick a decision would be made after the season yesterday with the media. I'm just savoring this year, I think, as much as anything. And it won't be something where I'll drag it out for months and months, you know, have conversations uh, with my loved ones after the season with, with Brian and Mark and Russ and coaching staff and, uh, and then make a decision at some point, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold the team back from anything. And, and, and once I commit and if it's committing, uh, you know, to move forward here, it'll be, a, it'll be a quick decision. All right, so there it is, the uh, quick decision from uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, So the question uh, then turns to how quick this decision will be made. Uh, Are we still still holding firm? uh, There was a lot there. All right, let's let's just break down a lot of things that were said. Um, For starters, did you you notice how – I mean, I don't think he mentioned Mark Murphy. No, he did not. Yeah. I mean, he basically mentioned everyone else besides Mark Murphy, who is their team president, who – you know, and deciding on anything, Aaron Rodgers always will play a role. He's taken on a more active role, uh, is at least what I heard since Ted Thompson left and Brian Gutenkunz took over. So um, there's that. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that he he the way he said it. I'm not gonna let yes. it drag on for months. Yes, is that I'm not. At, is that kind of a shot? At, yeah, well, there's that right, and you could look at it that way. I was gonna say almost is like a shot at Brett Favre. Now he let the whole thing drag on. Mm. We're like, why did that go on a little while? <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Two off seasons. It's, it's, it's just interesting. And, and so I also wonder, listen to him talk about all that. Like his decision is threefold because I think it's either he either decides to play or not. Meaning he like if they win the Super Bowl, maybe he retires, sails off in the sunset. Or if he wants to play. Does he sit there and say, okay, now i got to figure out if I want to be here or somewhere else? Mm. I just – I've thought about this. If this season goes perfectly, he wins an MVP, they win a Super Bowl, does he decide we're good here? Like, like I, I got a lot of other things going on. I'm interested in a lot of other, other avenues, uh, whether it's, you know, the Jeopardy gig or whatever else he's got going on. I went through enough crap with the COVID conversation, enough drama here, enough of the criticism. If, if, I, if I win a Super Bowl and this goes perfectly, there's no better way to walk away from this. I, I think it's a long shot, but I just wonder how much that's entered into the conversation. Is, really. Isn't Jeopardy over with? Well, they already I, select I, someone? I, I don't know. I, who knows? I mean, who I watches Mike Jeopardy? Mike Richards got it. The, the producer they've got. The uh, NHL player, Mike Richards? No. Nope. Oh, okay. Yep. 
Just was, he was an EP on the show. Uh, it's been named a permanent host. See what that Pretty was? Sure. That was me uh, flashing my NHL badge. How's oh, that? You geez. like that? I'm just showing you what, you what I got here on Fox Sports Radio. How about you, that? You know what I question? I, I question what Aaron Rodgers' motivations are. Because that will ultimately, in the end, drive what what his decision-making is going to be. If If the things bother him if they truly bother him on the inside the way the the media treats him the way he's portrayed sometimes um i i think that it he probably would be leaning more towards a decision that takes him away from that because of the career that he's had if all things went perfectly but then there's the other side of me that says you know, any any football player or any athlete that is has greatness in them, that has, you know, exercised and exhibited greatness for, for all to see, you have to have an ego. Like, I, there's not an athlete. I don't care how kind of a heart he is or how sweet of a person that they may be. You have to have a healthy size ego to be able to play at the level and do the things that you need to do to be great at what it is that you do. And and to me, I would lean more towards the fact that that's what Aaron Rodgers comes off as to me, as a guy who has a healthy ego. That's why he's handled things the way that he's handled things in terms of his situation and how it applies to the front office and, and his future moving forward. Him saying that I won't, not we won't not this isn't a we thing right this is an i thing i won't let this drag out so whatever it's going to be i'm going to dictate it as he in his mind believes he's been dictating it the entire time so for me looking looking at it trying to look at it from a scope of how we could really look at what aaron Rodgers intends to do i think for one it's ego driven which that's that's not that's not an insult or a slight on Aaron Rodgers. So even if they were to win the Super Bowl, for me, I think anything less than a Super Bowl, which by the way, this sets up to be the best season and it's in a while for them to win the Super Bowl. Um I, I think that Aaron Rodgers enjoys that too much. He's he he was able to do the offseason the way he wanted to do it against all odds he could care less what people were saying he was he was off the grid and he came back when he was ready to come back and and then he ethered you know the front office when he came back for his first (laughs) his first interview so I don't look at Aaron Rodgers as this is a mic drop moment I just don't I think that he's having fun you guys just saw Devontae Adams come out and say why would I not why would I not base what my decision is going to be? I'm playing with the best quarterback in the game. That was his quote. So so if Aaron Rodgers decides to leave, then now what happens with Devontae Adams? He and, and he's gone, right? <laughs> yeah. So so to me, I, I think that there is a lot of reasons that that Green Bay actually folds or yields, or whatever it is that you want to call it that they have to do and they need to do, they're going to have to do it to ensure that there's not an epic implosion of mass proportion 
in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as Aaron Rodgers said it. They ain't coming there for anything else. They ain't coming yep. there for the cheese. Sorry. Yep. They ain't coming there for Lombardi's trophy yeah. and his I, I get that. I, I get all that. I, I think it really comes down to this. Is he the type of guy that wants to go out on top? Or does he want to keep chasing it? Because he's going to win a number MVP, be back-to-back. You'd probably say they're a top-two team to win the Super Bowl. 100%. I would say Kansas City, Green Bay, and then maybe say Tampa with no disrespect. They are the defending champs. I think when healthy, you got to throw them in there. I don't know if Correct. they will ever be healthy. So I would say like those are kind of the three teams that you hear everyone throwing around. But does he want to go out on top? Like there's some guys who, hey, man, they, they want to go out like, like on top with the win to say, hey, last time I did it, baby, back-to-back MVP. Super. There's some people who feel that way, to your point about ego. And then there's others who like want to chase it. And they're like, I'm going to do this thing until the wheels fall off. And it might not be pretty towards the end. It wasn't pretty watching Michael Jordan with, with the Washington Wizards. I, mean, I remember his last I, was I remember his last All-Star <laughs> game. Bro, they kept there. feeding him the ball <laughs> to get that last second shot to like win it down the stretch. He probably missed like five times. I was like, damn, this ain't the same Mike. Like it he played never all looks good though. in the end. He played like, every game that season yeah, though. I'll sure. give him credit. Yeah. But the reality is it never looks good in the end. It never looks like it does. This is, if it is the end for Aaron Rodgers, he'd be going out on a high note. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to argue there's anyone who's played better, at least when healthy, maybe over the past, what, five, six years than Aaron Rodgers has? So it, it depends on how he views that portion within his ego and what he wants for the rest of his life. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not young, I mean, I guess by by quarterback standard at 38, he's not old yet either. Well, he missed the first three years basically because Favre was there, so he he didn't play a whole lot. So I think I think that's sort of you know maybe where you know his. You're still clocking mileage though. I mean, just because you're not a starter, you're still playing. It still matters. I mean, you got to practice. I mean. You know, I, I won't go as far as to say quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks are, are people, too, like, like kickers and punters. <laughs> they work. In fact, they probably get just as much work as the starter because they're preparing the defense for the games all week. So they work. I, I just – I look at Aaron Rodgers as the type of guy where he's looking at who are the people. These media people hate me. And I love it. This is just me in my head. My Aaron Rodgers it. The media hates me and I love it. But who do they love? They love Patrick Mahomes. They love Tom Brady. Well, those are his boys. Those are two dudes that you would say are his boys. He did the golf thing with, with Brady. He does the commercials, the State Farm commercials with Mahomes. I just think that Aaron Rodgers is on his own time and his own terms. I don't think he's going to do what everybody thinks he's going to do. I don't think he wants to happen what he thinks everybody thinks is going to happen. If he were to win the Super Bowl, I don't think he's like, yep, this is it. I want it. I'm out of here. I don't, I don't feel like that that's where he's at. And, and I don't think that he wants to leave the game with the media, even with the Super Bowl, when having conversations that aren't, aren't what he's dictating in terms of how you talk about Patrick Mahomes in relation to him, how you talk about any quarterback for that as it applies to in comparison to him. I think he's, on, I think he's got a kill list, 
And I think he's going to continue to keep killing until he gets to a point of where he's tired of doing it. And I don't think that it's going to be dictated by anybody. And, and here we go. Here's my end off. Here's my dismount and land. I think he's going. I, I I think he's going to do it as a Green Bay Packer. And when it ends, it's going to be as a Green Bay Packer. That's, um, that's what I think. Brady mentioned the uh, last five-year run for Aaron Rodgers. Um, just look at the last three since LaFleur has gotten there. And there's going to be a lot with Matt LaFleur coming up later on the show as far as the coach of the year goes. He's got 107 touchdowns and 13 picks. 107 touchdowns, 13 picks in three seasons. That's unbelievable. That is a crazy run that he's been on the past three years, coming off the disappointing season where McCarthy got fired. Uh, then he was, uh, you know, didn't he only played and started seven games the year before. So he's been on a tear the last three years, and then we get to see how this whole thing plays out. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There is um, somebody who's been a really hot prospect in the NFL, and he is pissed off. We will get into all that for you here uh, on FSR. Uh, right now, uh, let's have a conversation about, uh, you know, s- some reports out there. All right, some reports that came out yesterday regarding the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, head coaching search and uh, Dan Quinn. Uh, his name was obviously attached to it, and uh, one of the initial reports that came out, Calvin Watkins, who covers the uh, Dallas Cowboys, said that, uh, you know, Dan Quinn is uh, declining. Uh, to interview for the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, head coaching job. Uh, then another report came out from uh, Tom Pelissero that said that uh, Dan Quinn uh, just wants to wait until the uh, regular season is over and just focus on the Dallas Cowboys now. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of shenanigans we could have with the conversation, but there is also maybe a level of concern as to what this does to the Cowboys. And LeVar, your guy sticks, Micah Parsons, I think he deserves a lot of credit for maybe some of the love that Dan Quinn is getting, maybe what this does to Dallas moving forward defensively. Well, I think you got to give credit to the entire unit. I think that when you have the one focal point, which that's what Micah Parsons has become, you have to have all, all pieces to, to equal the sum of, of the entire whole. So you have to you have to look at what what Diggs has done. You have to look at what their defensive front has done. You you have to look at what you know Van Der Esch and those guys have done as as a unit to turn them into a seventh ranked unit. I mean they they are leading the league in turnovers. They they are they are like number one in in a few categories that I mean interceptions they're they're one and sacks they're they're number nine they're top 10 um you know to me just looking at where dallas stands currently they are in the best condition shape wise to win and contend as everyone says every year coming into the season it's dallas's year to win the super bowl i don't know if it's their year to win the super bowl but I will say this, this is the best we have seen Dallas look in quite some time that would lead you down the road of saying you're more comfortable having the conversation that Dallas is actually indeed good enough to do so. So this this comes at a horrible time, if you ask me. This could disrupt. We saw how much this defense has struggled through the years. If Dan Quinn were to come and go, after one year's time, 
I think just as much of an impact positively he had coming, I think it would be just as much destructive if he were going. And I think sometimes we underestimate the the power of continuity, the power of trust, the power of understanding. We talked about it on power the show of love. yesterday. The power yeah. of love, and there we go. That, that's why I was about to end great with. Great right? song, man. We, we talked it. We talked about it. A, it is a great song, Karai Kid. By the way, if y'all didn't know, soundtrack. Um, you know, <laughs> when you have a coach that really, really cares about you, and and he believes in what you guys' capabilities are, because largely in part there aren't a ton of personnel changes on the team. It's not a ton. There were some key additions, but largely in part, a lot of the guys are still in place from those those defenses that struggled. So you know the power of what a coach can bring to the table, a fine coach, and that's what Dan Quinn has done. So while it's a, a, a testament of the type of guy he is to be back up for a head coaching job so soon and so quickly – I still think that man, it's 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 a bad look for the the Cowboys if they were to lose Dan Quinn. So if they got to offer Quinn head coaching money to be a D coordinator, I think that they got to kick the tires on that and try not to lose him to another team. Here's the biggest issue: it's it's two DCs in two years. You know, you went with Mike Nolan, Mike McCarthy's first year, and then you end up moving on. Now you got Dan Quinn, and you're saying this is the formula. This is the guy that's helped you know, put these guys in a position to succeed, Micah Parsons in particular. And now you find yourself in potentially losing him after one year. You know, you better feel really confident about whoever's going to come in and fill in those shoes, you know, fill in that void that's left, left behind. So that, that to me is the concern is much like a quarterback. When you deal with change year after year after year with an offensive coordinator, it's the same thing with defenses. Now you got a different guy in there calling defense that may not gel as well with those players, with their personalities. He may not be able to teach them technique quite as well or oversee the entire operation as well and how he manages it throughout the course of a season with game planning. So that's the concern is if you're Mike McCarthy, you've got to be looking at your staff and being like, dang, dude, I lost. You know, I got rid of one because he wasn't doing good enough. Now I had one that was doing too good and he left to become a head coaching job. And, and, and by the way, Dan Quinn should, I think when you think about all the you know, potential candidates who are out there, he's one of those guys that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl, unfortunately didn't win it. And unfortunately for him, it'll probably be one that is, is probably never forgotten because of the comeback and all that. But at least as a regular season, he's still got a winning record as a regular season head coach. Which a lot of people, you know, they might scoff at that because he's not higher. But think about it: if you got a winning record as a head coach in the NFL, you're going to be scooped up quick for a second job, or you're still coaching somewhere. You're not moving on. That, that's that's why Chicago. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Chicago this year, because Matt Matt Nagy still does have a winning head coach, you know, head coaching record. And does that organization get listen to the media? Do they get impatient? Do they say we don't have to go another year doing this? And, and make a move, which it seems like that's where they're going, even though other people might look out and go, that dude's a hot commodity. You know, no, no, no different than Doug Peterson. You know, when, when you look at a guy who's won a Super Bowl, who's out there now interviewing for head coaching jobs, 
you know, Dan Quinn's kind of one of those guys that falls into it. Didn't win a Super Bowl, but got his team, you know, to go there. And done a hell of a job with the Dallas Cowboys so and, far. And I also think he deserves a little bit of credit because I, we, we can agree that was one of the most catastrophic losses. That Super Bowl they lost to, to New England is one of the most catastrophic losses, maybe of all time, as far as the lead, blowing the lead, all of that stuff. And so he gets labeled as this guy who had the epic collapse and, uh, you know, be concerned. He, he, he blew a couple of leads. Uh, the game against Dallas where they had the Ouija board onside kick. They blew that game. And so it, it, like he had a, a sort of a negative connotation attached to his name afterwards. People forget the next year after they lost that Super Bowl, they went to the playoffs. They won a playoff game on the road at the Rams. And then they were in Philadelphia with a chance to win that game. If not for uh, you know a, a missed opportunity near the end zone, they had an opportunity to win that game on the road the year after they lost that Super Bowl to an Eagles team who went on to win a Super Bowl that year. Yeah. So it's not like it was just this complete and total collapse and they melted down and that was it. They did go to the playoffs and have some success afterwards well, and, coming off that loss. And the two years after that, again, I'm not trying to you know sit here and call it seven and nine records is what you want. But they go seven and nine in, in back to back years after that point, and they were riddled with 100%. injuries. I mean, Keanu Neal couldn't stay healthy. I, I, I got the call a game. I think it was back in two thousand and nineteen, and I remember talking to them. They're like, "Yeah, we're playing with a bunch of backups." And and the problem is when you understand Dan Quinn and how he looks at defense. Like he had, he has some key pieces that he could put in some special positions, like a Micah Parsons in Dallas now. He had those pieces in Seattle. And so people think they run some simple vanilla scheme, but like he's got pieces that you, know, you need to have in order to be able to do what you do, especially situationally on third down in red zone, those sorts of, those sorts of areas. And, and he was able to, you know, he wasn't able to do that in Atlanta. I mean, early on he was when they were winning. Once they became decimated with injuries, like, yeah, I don't have the same guys to be able to do that. Offensively, their offensive line was awful back then. No running game. Matt Ryan's getting teed off on. That was when they started to invest more, at least in first-round draft picks on the offensive line. But it never really paid off for them, unfortunately. And now we're starting to see, even now, you know, they're still struggling. And there's a, there's that, that, that's a rebuild right now, uh, even though Matt Ryan's still there. You're seeing that with Arthur Smith. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the conversation yesterday got a little bit odd uh, for Saquon Barkley in the media because um, the Giants are heading to Chicago to take on the Bears. The last time they were there, Saquon Barkley suffered uh, the devastating knee injury um, at Soldier Field. And um, so, it's you know, he's, he's coming back to the place where, you know, that was a problem. That changed his career. It could have really impacted his career permanently moving forward, depending on how his career finishes out. And so, um, you know, he was there and uh, the media and one media member in particular, decided to ask him this question as he gets ready for the game. Hey, Saquon, I know you guys are going back to Chicago where obviously you tore your ACL last year. 
some players are looking for closure. They'll go back to the spot that it happened and spit, maybe even some would, you know, maybe even want to burn down the stadium that it happened. And is that, is that something that, you know, you you've considered doing it for all this? No. <laughs> I mean, are we for real? That could be a real reporter, was it? I mean, is he reporting or is he writing comic books? <laughs> you know, like he just, you know, really Spider-Man. Did he really ask him, really ask him if he's going to admit publicly to wanting to burn the stadium soldier field down? Oh, Did he really ask man. him publicly if he's going to go out there and urinate on the field? <laughs> Green Goblin. Green oh. Goblin, we would like to we would like to know that last fight that you had with Spider Man and Soldier Field before they tore it down. Uh, <laughs> did it make you want to throw one of your Green Goblet bombs and blow it up? Oh, like, it's so funny. Well, where man. is it? Like, uh, you know, the, the thing about when you hear questions like that and it it's stated the way that it's stated, you know how there's there are always stereotypes. Right. And as athletes, you can get stereotyped very easily by by appearance, a lot of different things. There's just stereotyping. When you think about like a reporter and 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 what some of the stereotypes have been like, they're detached, they're unaware, they're they're You know, it, that is the ultimate stereotypical viewpoint for me of a reporter. You have absolutely no clue how how horrible in your mind you sound with that coming out of your mouth. It, but he thought that was a dope question. <laughs> and he was about to write an award-winning column based off of that super amazing question oh, that he asked. I, I just don't want to hear the media complain about an answer that a player ever gives. 100%. Like, if, if you're going to open things up, and you're, you should be mad at your own profession. I don't know who that guy is. If I was a part of that beat, I'd be sitting there, and, and obviously this is all done what, via Zoom or a conference call, whatever. I'd be sitting there and being like, dude, don't, no, take that, that guy's credentials away. Mm. Like, don't, don't let him represent us. Like, collectively as a community, this now goes viral and it's funny and it's written about blah, blah, blah. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. Like, if you're trying to hold players to certain standards based on their performance and what we see in a game and everything else, you guys should want to be to hold yourselves to a certain standard. And you let some slappy like that ask a question. <laughs> and now it just circulates and everyone makes fun of it on social media and online. But yet at the same time, like, you get mad at players' reactions to certain questions. Yeah. How hypocritical is that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. in all seriousness, like, that dude asked that question to a player and, like, you're okay with that. Like, that dude's a part of your profession. He's a, he's a colleague. He's an associate of sorts. Like, give me a break. Like, I don't want to hear a reporter ever say a damn word about what a player says if that is a part of your group or your line of questioning. And this ain't the Super Bowl, all right? It, it, I was just going to say that. For Super Bowl week – you expect that sort of stuff because people are dressed up in goofy costumes and they're asking questions like this is a guy whose career might have been ruined because of an injury he's going back to the place and you're asking whether or not he's taken a leak on the field or he's uh, gonna burn it down or or pull some sort of an arson do you ever think of that do you ever think of just 
the place where something that you didn't like happening to you, you yes. want to just burn it down? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I hate when that I happens. Don't. Um, yeah, now, I now this is... Um, Were you joking? Were you being sarcastic? Yeah, I was being so. sarcastic. Okay, yeah, well, I don't think about burning you, places. Backdrafts? Yeah. I mean, what, what is it? All of a sudden, you're like an arsonist? It, I, I, don't think that, I don't think about burning places down. Uh, here's the, uh, here's uh, the other part no of this. No backdraft reference? Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't really watch you. You burned him, Stephen. All right, so here's the thing. There was a... There were some people that speculated that the reporter that asked the question is this guy, Wesley Steinberg, uh, who's a Giants quote-unquote insider, covers the oh, team. Oh, jeez. That's what insiders, he, that, that's um, how they ask questions? Yeah. He, uh, okay. he posted this tweet. So maybe there's something more about this. But he uh, said, quote, I've heard from multiple sources that Saquon Barkley did not take his recovery seriously in the offseason. He went out partying and drinking a lot. Also, the nice guy, team-first attitude you see in the media is a total facade. Uh, end of tweet, to which I know, LeVar, you saw this. Carl Banks, yep. uh, legendary New York Giant, um, you know, uh, one of the more popular guys in the history of the franchise, I would say. Uh, he commented on it saying, we're at the point in the season now where we're character assassinating guys uh, because we're in a losing season. But it's stuff like this to where... Maybe he's asking the question because he's got an agenda. Of course. I, I, so, like, at what point do you put aside whatever your agenda is and your personal feelings and just do the job? You know, like, like, cover the team. Like, like, instead of asking questions about whether or not a guy's going to burn a stadium down because he suffered an injury there, ask a legitimate question. But it feels like this guy maybe had an agenda going but into this. But maybe his agenda, his agenda was to get Saquon to answer the way that he did. You know, and, and again, a lot of times writers, beat reporters, different different people that are doing articles, they you know, they have their, their time schedules that, that they have to get things done, their deadlines. They already have their stories written. And, you know, Mike Wilbon told me this a, a long time ago when I got into the league because, he you know, he told me you got to stop getting upset when, when people – you know, publish the stories that they're publishing on you. And because it's, it's, it's really, it's, you know, it's one of those things where they see it the way they see it and they're going to report it and write it the way that they report it and write it. And you, it comes with a grain of salt. It's a part of the business. And, and when you, when you get into a situation where media already has their agenda as to what they want to prove. He wanted to prove something by getting a reaction out of Saquon. If Saquon reacts, maybe he gets further of what it is that he was looking for out of Saquon. If if Saquon reacts the way that he did react, he already has a way in his mind to manipulate it to be what it wants what he wants it to be because the story really is already written. So uh, that was a major part of why I got into media was because of the misrepresentation of how people, you know, wrote their stories and reported directly to, on me. You know, I wasn't the person that the, I was reading about in these articles. And, and that's sad because up until now, up until, you know, social media, you had to be at the, the, the mercy of what the writers interpreted you to be. So if they were right about it or accurate in your your estimation of it, then it's great. If they were inaccurate, then that's bad. And that and it hurts and, and it's painful when you have people dictate or, or portray you in a way that that is, you know, 
not who you are. I don't I don't like that type of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, that was just uh, uncomfortable all the way through. But at least you know he gave the one word answer. I mean, he could have uh, could have played along, but he gave the one word answer, and now uh, you know he gives them a little bit of their own medicine. 